open your Bibles to the book of Malachi, Malachi chapter 3. And as you're turning there, just after New Year's, God was looking down at the earth and he saw all the evil that was going on. So he decided to send an angel down to check it out. So he called one of his best angels and sent it to the earth. When the angel returned, he told God, yes, it's pretty bad on the earth. 95% is bad and only 5% is good. Well, God thought for a moment and he said, maybe I better send down a second angel to get another point of view. So God sent a second angel down. And when that angel returned, he went to God and told him, yes, the earth was in pretty bad shape. 95% was bad and 5% good. God said, this is not good. So he decided to email that 5% that was good. And he wanted to encourage them, give them a little something to help them keep them going. Do you know what the email said? Oh, you, got, you didn't get the email either? Amen. We are finishing up our, our study in our Freedom from Financial Bondage uh, message. And last week, we, we started to look um, at how God wants us to be financially free. That is his desire for all of us. And just knowing this truth, it really doesn't help us. So we have to look into God's word to find answers, to get direction, to, to find solutions. So we're looking in Malachi chapter 3. Let's skip down to verse 7. Yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? God said, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now on this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. So our heart's desire needs to be to draw closer to our Lord and Savior. Amen. That needs to be our heart's desire. It should not be to get rich or, or, or to find wealth. If that is, then you are in financial bondage. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 4. Do not overwork to be rich because of your own understanding. Cease. Will you set your eyes on that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away like an angel toward heaven. You know, we hear that term money, money talks, and absolutely, mine tells me goodbye all the time. Amen? So let's consider what we need to do to break free from our financial bondage. 
And as we looked last week, the first step that we need to do is return to God. Right in verse 7, Yet from the days of your fathers you have gone away from my ordinance and have not kept them. God says, return to me and I will return to you. So we have to return at the same point in which we departed. So where, according to God, did we depart? In verse 8, he said, uh, we asked the question, in what, sh in what way shall we return? And then in verse 8, God replies, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have you robbed me? In tithes and offerings. God is not trying to get from us. He's trying to give to us. Psalm 50, verse 12. For the world is mine and all its fullness. God does not need any of our money. God doesn't need anything from us, but his heart's desire is for us. 2 Corinthians 12. Now for the third time I am ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to you. For I do not seek yours, but you. Amen? God wants us, not our money. Amen? That's what we need to understand. God desires our heart. For where our treasures are, there will our heart be also. And the key to that is to put God first. Amen? Matthew 6.33 says to seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, right? We are to seek God first. Seek his righteousness. Seek his kingdom. But seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Amen? All those things are everything in, in Matthew chapter 6. It's all of our needs. God says he will meet every single need. Amen? We are to give to God willfully, liberally, and most importantly, joyfully. We will never break free from our financial bondage if we fail to tithe. Amen? It's the absolute foundation of financial freedom. So the next step that we saw was that we must replenish God's house. Looking at verse 10. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. We are to bring our tithes. Now, tithe means 10%, one-tenth. This is part of God's eternal law for us. Tithing was instituted before the law, as illustrated when Abraham gave tithes to Melchizedek, and it's also taught in the New Testament after the law. So we need to understand that. In Hebrews uh, chapter 5, Verse 5, so also Christ did not glorify himself to become a high priest, but it was he who said to him, it was the father who said to the son, you are my son, today I have begotten you. As God also says in another place, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. So let's peek at, at Melchizedek. Let's, let's do a little bit of research there in Hebrews 7. It says, for this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part, a tithe, 
first being translated king of righteousness, and then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace. Without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, he remains a priest continually. Jesus Christ is our spiritual high priest, and he comes after the order of Melchizedek, not after the order of Aaron. Aaron represents the law. Melchizedek is a priest forever. Romans 3.31. Do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, we establish the law. You see, the law gave us a foundation on how we are to live. Amen? And tithing is that foundation when we're talking about financial freedom. God requires us to take the step of faith and tithe in order for uh, for him to pour out his blessings upon us. So our tithes and offerings, that is the what we are to bring. So now let's consider the where. Where are we to bring them? Going back to our original text back in verse 10. So we are to bring all the tithes, that's the what. And where? God says, into the storehouse. So the storehouse is where in the Old Testament temple, that's where they were to bring their tithes. And today, Jesus has established and he has given us the church house. And this is where we are to bring our tithes today. So we know what, we know where, now let's consider when. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Now, concerning the collection for the saints, who are saints? Every born-again believer, amen? So God has given us instructions here, and he said this instruction is concerning the collection or the giving of the saints, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside Storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections, no need for collections when I come. So what is God telling us here? What is the first day of the week? Today, Today, right. Most people think Monday is the first day of the week, but it's not. If you look at your calendar, it starts with Sunday. So God is saying on the first day of the week, on Sunday, we are to bring our tithes into his storehouse, into the church house. In these verses, we also see who this pertains to. So we see the what, the where, the when. Now let's see the who. Who does this pertain to? Well, it says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. He said, On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay lay something aside. So it's for all of us. It's for every single Christian. Amen? That's who it applies to. Every single born-again Christian. Now, we see that word or that phrase, storing up. It says, storing up as he may prosper. 
you know, a neat note is that, that phrase storing up comes from the same Greek word that Malachi used in Malachi 3 for that word storehouse. Same, same identical word. So on Sunday, when we open the doors of our church, we are to come and we are to bring tithes for God. This is the what, the where, the when, and the who about our giving. So let's keep digging in for, for just a minute. So we see a lot more here that God has given us here. Let's now consider the why. Staying in 1 Corinthians 16, in, in verse 2. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper. Why? That there be no collections, no need for collections when I come. In other words, God is telling us here, if we are obedient to God's plan, all of our needs in the church and at home will be met. Amen? If we follow God's financial plans, if we are obedient to God and we give, then God says he will meet all of our needs, not just in the church, but also in our homes. Amen? Every one of our needs will be met if we get ourselves in a position for God to bless us. Plain and simple. We have to get into that position for God to bless us. Another side note. We're not to give because there is a need. Amen? That shouldn't be our driving force as to why we give. We are to give because we want to give. We want to give back to God for all that he has blessed us with. Amen? That should be our heart's desire as to why we want to give. It's to give back to God for all that he has blessed us with. And when we give in joyful abundance, God is going to meet our needs at the same time. Amen? Going back to Malachi 3. He said, bring all the tithes, in verse 10, into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Literally, if we look at this, he's saying, there will be enough to do what needs to be done. Amen? That is what God is saying here. That if you bring your tithes into the storehouse as God commands, then there is going to be enough to do what needs to be done. Several years back, there was a, there was a study done on tithing. And in that study, it showed that if every churchgoer's wage was reduced to that of welfare levels and every single one tithed 10% of those, of those wages, those lowered wages, that the church's offerings would literally double. They would double. Amen. That's twice the needs that would be met. Amen. Listen, I'm not saying that tithing is the only thing that we need to do. 
But what I am saying is that tithing is a starting point in returning back to God. Amen? This will help us release our grip on those material things of this world. And that's going to open the door to number three. And that is receiving God's blessings. Once we return to God and we replenish his house, that's when he will pour out his blessings upon us. Amen? This is the point of revival in our heart and in our life. Let's look at some of the blessings that God describes here in Malachi. In verse 10. First, he says we're going to receive overflowing blessings. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me on this. Now that's interesting because as far as I know, as much as I've studied the Bible... This is the only place that I recall that God ever said, try me. Amen. Amen. That he commanded us to try him, to prove him. He said, try me now on this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing for you that there will not be room enough to receive it. Try me, prove me, put me to the test, God says. How many blessings are we forfeiting because we have not put God to that test? Amen? How many blessings have we forfeited? I can share testimony after testimony about how many times God has proven this to me and my family over the years. Amen? Now, we also need to understand that these blessings that God is going to shower us with, it's not just financial blessings, but there's also spiritual blessings. Where we've seen family members come to Christ. Let me tell you something. There's no monetary value that can equal that. The spiritual blessings that God will pour out upon us. We cannot outgive God. Amen. We can never outgive God. Go ahead and try him and let him prove that for you as well. Amen. So the first thing God tells us is that we're going to receive overflowing blessings. Next, he also tells us here in Malachi that he will rebuke our enemies. Look at verse 11. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. Nor shall the vine fail to bear bear fruit uh, for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. You know, we all have times when people come against us, amen? And they may not all be enemies, so to speak, but they are certainly our foe at that time. They can take the form of a tax collector, collector, amen? A doctor's bill that comes in the mail. It can be a a grocery store receipt. And today, boy, that's a big enemy, isn't it? (laughs) That grocery store receipt. God says, when they come up against us, if we are being obedient to his program of giving, he will not allow them to destroy or take away the source of our blessings and our wealth. We need to understand that you, I, we, we are not the source of our blessings. 
Neither is our boss. Neither is the company that we work for. Amen? Amen. God and God alone is the source of all wealth and all blessings. Amen? Amen? That's what we need to understand. Listen. We will always do more and get more with the 90% if God is our partner and we share that 10% with him. Amen. That's God's economy for tithing. We will always do more and get more with that 90% if God is our partner than if we were by ourselves with that complete 100%. Amen. God will multiply that 90% when we are faithful with that 10% and give it back to him. Amen. Amen? Amen. Pastor, what about those with less? Well, do you expect them to tithe what little they have? Listen, my answer is always yes. 100% yes. And I'm not being cold-hearted when I say that. But if I would, you know, it would be cold-hearted if I failed to teach them to tithe. Even the less fortunate. If I failed to teach them how to tithe, that would be cold-hearted. Amen? Think of all the blessings that they would miss out on. Those with less are the ones that need to depend on God more to meet their needs. Amen? Remember the Bible account where uh, the widow had nothing. And she was in the temple. And she gave that last little bit of money that she had. And Jesus looked upon her. And he blessed her for that. He didn't say you shouldn't give it or put it back in your pocket, did he? Because he, out of her faithfulness, was ready to bless her. And that's the same for all of us. God is not the one in need. We are the ones in need. And he commands us to try him, to prove him, to see if I don't pour out a blessing big enough for you to receive it. And if I won't rebuke your enemies. And thirdly, he said, restore our fruitfulness. Look at verse 12. And all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. God will bless us so that we can be a blessing to others. Amen? God will bless us so that we can bless others. But it's important to understand that we have to get in the proper position first and foremost. Amen? And that means that we must return to God and allow him to go to work. Amen? It's up to us to get in that position to be blessed. And how do we do that? It's returning back to God. And how do we return at the point of departure? And where was that? In our tithes and offerings. Get back into that position to allow God to bless us. Allow him to get to work on us. Remember back in school, learning about 
that lost city of Pompeii and, and how it was buried when Mount Vesuvius erupted. And I remember, uh, you know, I recall seeing a picture of a man buried alive as he was trying to gather up gold coins, his gold coins. And he's now preserved in that position for some 2,000 years. And I can't help but think of Matthew 16. Jesus said, For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? God does not need us. I know that kind of sounds harsh, but it's true. We need him. He doesn't want to get from us. He wants to give to us. Listen, he doesn't need us, but he wants us. God's desire is to have a close, intimate relationship with us. He wants to open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing for you so rich He says that you will not have room to receive it. He says, return to me and I will return to you. That has a twofold message to it, doesn't it? You see, return to me, a physical return, and God will return to us. But think of it in spiritual terms. If we return back to God that which he blessed us with, what does God say? He will return to us. Amen? Return to me and I will return to you. If we return back to God, he's only asking for 10% of all that he has blessed us with. He said, return to me and I will return to you. Return to God that little 10%, and God says, in return, I will pour out a blessing so great that you won't have room to receive it. You see, that's God's economy on giving. We give a little, and he gives a lot to us. Amen? Return to God, and he will return to you. Tithing is that foundation for our financial freedom. 